Presley on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. You're going to pick KJ Hill. I am. And I, I know why, because KJ has been a model of consistency. I think the one thing, the one question mark, and I could be mistaken on this, I usually am not mistaken on my uh, football stuff, but I might be. This might be one of those rare moments. One of those rare moments. I'm not, you know, I'm not a two-time state champion, but I, you know, I did finish fourth in the state and in, in fifth, excuse me, in the shot put in the state. Very nice. 11 and a half. Uh, played a little you know. football in the NFL. I made Pro Bowl a few <laughs> times. And all pro a couple well, of times. College Football well, Hall of Fame. I suppose that qualifies well, you to Yes, it qualifies you. The question I had was, uh, did it qualify us to talk about the coronavirus yesterday? Because uh, we we are back today, hello everyone, for a uh, bonus Thursday edition, NFL Draft edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Your football credentials are impeccable, sir. Good morning to you. I wondered how your, how your coronavirus and my coronavirus comments would play yesterday as we went our normal length all on coronavirus. Would you like to know what the initial reviews are? Sure. They're positive. My text messages were all positive. Uh, we got two really? e- two emails. Joe in Nashville sends an email, Podcast at gmail.com. He says, Wednesday's episode of Spielman Hooley was the best episode of any podcast ever. Congratulations. Wow. Joe, thanks, man. Any podcast ever. Well, eat our dust, you know Ben Shapiro. Well, you know why? Because it was two guys, two regular guys talking about what everybody else is talking about. And so that podcast yesterday was so relatable to what everybody's going through and the same feelings and the same discussions that they're having with themselves or with their families or with their friends. And I mean, I've had these, I had the same conversations on the phones with uh, some friends of mine. Yes, I do have friends, not many of them, but I do have <laughs> people that, that other than you that I talk to that are guys. And so, I, I think that's why it was so uh, people might have enjoyed it. They might not have agreed with what we said, but at least, you know, it was sincere. And you can't argue with sincerity. And that's our sincere belief. And so, you know, I got that out of my system and ready to move on. I'm, I'm getting out of the house t- tomorrow to come to your house to restart the podcast at your house. And like I said in a tweet after the podcast or connected to the podcast, I'm going to live with awareness and responsibility, but I'm not going to live in fear. And, you know, I'm still, I'm starting to move. I'm going to start moving. Yeah. And that's, I'm going to hit on that in the face segment today. Uh, One more email from John. He says, uh, Wednesday's podcast was very meaningful and nice to hear. I've listened to your podcast and I've always enjoyed your takes and opinions on the sports world and things and current events that are especially affecting us. Now you both share opinions that the masses understand and relate to. Thanks for your continued positive messages you both share daily. So thank you, John. Yeah. Appreciate it. So we're going to get back to some uh, more sports today, but uh, our face segment will be coming up at the end. And we appreciate every single listener that we have. All of you give us your time, and time is one of the most precious things you can give someone. So thank you very much. I hear your phone going off. Are those uh, any uh, texts from uh, scouts around the NFL <laughs> or GMs around the NFL that you may know or may have grown up with? No, actually, uh, something cool has happened. Uh, I have, the Lions actually hired me for the weekend to nice. work on their various platforms for the draft. And that's going to lead to a big announcement tomorrow that we'll, we'll share tomorrow, which I'm okay. excited to. And I want to share it at, in, at when we're back on our regular podcast routine. But, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of work on the draft stuff. I've been doing a lot of work on the Ohio State guys. And I think what uh, I've been looking a lot at, at Cleveland stuff. I know what Cincinnati's mm-hmm. going to do. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Cincinnati doesn't draft Joe Burrow, then they need to be expelled from the league. Yeah, it just you cannot not draft the guy. I don't. Every box is checked with this guy, on field, off the field, every intangible. And um, I don't know if you're aware of this, Bruce, but uh, not yesterday, but the day before, I was a busy guy. Right, I just did a lot of different things. I volunteered at the the breast center mm-hmm. i did uh, i was doing some uh, teleconferencing with uh, the detroit people as far as getting ready for the draft stuff that i'm going to do then i did a q and a but you did not follow me i don't understand why i follow you religiously but hey anyway <laughs> i follow you you i did i, you I, I joker did. <laughs> you know i follow you no oh you do yes well, I, you I gotta, know i do i got to check i got to check my new followers i retweet <laughs> 
your new followers. <laughs> but no, I did a uh, about two. I think what was it? Carrie's sitting here. What did I do? About two and a half hours of uh, question and answer on draft stuff, and so it was mainly um, Browns, Bengals, Lions, because I think that's who you know. I did a couple other teams, but I, I was uh, spent a lot of time looking at and evaluating and. Got some thoughts on the, all the Buckeye players that are draft eligible. Good. Here's a good, here's a good uh, little tidbit for you, uh, and I'm going to credit Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. I think he's a, is he a beat writer for Dispatch? Yeah, Joey. Um, I think Joey took Tim May's spot. Okay, well, once Tim retired. Joey, Joey had a good tweet this morning. Once Chase Young is drafted, and we're assuming Chase will be the first Buckeye mm-hmm. off the board at number mm-hmm. two to Washington. That will give uh, Ohio State the all-time record in first-round draft picks over USC, which I thought was an interesting little tidbit and a credit to Ohio State. And so, uh, so you read that? When did you read that? This morning? I, re- I read that this morning. Yeah. Oh, you know, um, if you were, uh, you know, I don't know, followed, uh, say, you know, <laughs> si.com backslash college backslash Ohio State, uh, you would have read that on that site. Uh, <laughs> Maybe two days ago, just saying, you know, if you followed that particular site. Wow. Okay, well, let's all take a minute here and go for Bruce. Ready? One, two, three, me. Yeah. So, just saying, okay. you know, like if I followed you on Twitter, which I have since the very beginning, or if you followed me on the site that I run since you, August. You, I didn't know you were writing again. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, this is just I happened to mention it a time or 20. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think, but but yeah, but that's what I saw on Twitter this yeah. morning. And of course, you were two days ahead of that story, which yeah. I, I probably yeah. should have mentioned. You didn't mention it on the podcast though on <laughs> Monday, so I don't know. Well, yeah, I was um, going to mention it on Wednesday, but we were venting about COVID nineteen. Yeah, that's true. And so then, then you'll have uh, obviously Jeff Bakuda, who, by the way, I don't think is going to the Lions. Okay, there's I, a little think- scoopage. I think the uh, Lions are looking to get out of three, and I think there's two desperate teams to move up to three. Miami teams. and the uh, Chargers. What? I think I think Tua's uh, stock is rising. Uh, I don't buy the hype on Justin Herbert, quarterback out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really uh, believe that you know Jeff still might end up with the Lions. He's just not going to end up with the Lions at number three. You know, I'm always skeptical when I hear in the days before the draft that fill-in-the-blank player is falling. And yesterday and the day before, I was hearing, oh, two is falling, Herbert's rising. Usually what that that. means, usually what that means is somebody really wants Tua. And they're hoping that, you know, by talking up Herbert – Teams will fall for the sleight of hand and take, oh, they like Herbert. Well, what do they know that I don't know? And they might take him. Uh, or Any any Miami late injury rumor? Pardon? I think Miami actually did that. Kind of was putting out stuff about how they love Herbert. Oh, they're taking but, a tackle. The Dolphins are trading up to take a tackle. That's what That was yeah. the rumor yesterday. They're trading up, but they're taking a tackle. I'm like, they're yeah, not taking yeah a probably tackle not. Because I saw two mock drafts with six offensive tackles going in the first round. Yeah. They're talking on Cleveland Radio yesterday about all four tackles that are at the top of the draft that they'll be gone by ten when the Browns draft. Uh, I don't, I don't think so, but that that's certainly possible. Yeah, uh, the four offensive tackles. Just so you know, I'm. I'm yeah, give them to uh, me. I know Worfs yeah. from Iowa, Makai Becton from, from Louisville, Makai uh, from Louisville, uh, Thomas. Oh yeah, Andrew Thomas. George, uh, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And the kid from out Wills from Alabama. Oh yeah, Jedrick Wills. Now, so, is this right? Jedrick Wills was a right tackle. He was a right tackle because he protected Tua's blindside. Yeah. And yeah, but I, Tristan Wirfs is a right tackle. Now, Andrew Barry, the the Browns GM, has said in his attempt to um, to birth a tombstone quote that many Browns executives and coaches have each had their own tombstone quote. You're gonna have to trust me on this one. Play calling is overrated. On and on and on. Andrew Barry said, "A tackle's a tackle. There's no difference between a right tackle and a left tackle." Uh, I usually your better athlete is is the left tackle, but that's you know we talked about Wills from Alabama because two is left-handed just to protect the blind side. But I think pass rushers are so good, and I do think if they're a good enough athlete, 
I I'll agree with Andrew on that. A tackle is a tackle, but it, you know, if if you're a better player, usually you're on you're on the left side. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in I'll go with this. I I think that from the Browns' uh, perspective, I think uh, Worse would be the guy that I would look at. Really? Why? What do you like about him? Uh, he's really good pass protector. Uh, not solid run blocker, not a devastating run blocker, but there's not a lot of offensive tackles that are like totally devastating run blockers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he's so smooth and athletic, and if he's 20 years old, Bruce. Yeah, well, the thing I like been, thing I like about him is he's been coached by Kirk Ferentz. Well, that's the thing. That's my was my final point was the fact that he comes from Iowa, and most of those guys that come from Iowa are well-trained and ahead of the game a little bit when they get to the NFL because of Kirk Ferentz and his background uh, as an offensive line coach. And and even to this day, I know that when I was, um, I think I've told a story with you and me when back when we did radio, that when I would do Big Ten games or do Iowa games or do Iowa Bowl games, you know, Kirk is hands-on with the mm -hmm. offensive line. Like mm -hmm. the defense will be practicing and he has those five offensive linemen uh, and he's coaching them up on individual drills and, and steps and everything. So he's excellent at what he does. And I, it was fun for me to see a head coach actually stop what he was doing and trust his assistants and go coach a position group, especially one of you who have the expert level of Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, he was on uh, Bill Belichick's staff with the Browns as offensive line coach back uh, yeah. Cleveland 95 with Saban. Now, uh, there may be listeners who thought what I thought when we talked about, you know, Iowa offensive linemen. A few years ago, it's probably been more years than I am remembering now, uh, the talk at the top of the draft was Robert Gallery, and Robert Gallery went to the Raiders, I believe. And Robert Gallery, am I wrong? Robert Gallery was, like, not quite in the NFL what everybody thought he'd be? Yeah, I think, actually, I think he ended up, I could be wrong on this, too. He might have moved the guard. Yeah, I believe he moved but, but, either to right tackle or guard or something. Yeah, but still, I mean, offensive linemen are so hard to find. I mean, how many teams, when you look at their – well, I know this. You don't know this maybe because, you know, this is my job. Every week I get the, the lineup sheets and my note cards and mm -hmm. my, my board, right, that I have for a game. And, you know, a lot of thought and work goes into that. When I – when I look at the offensive linemen and I do an individual breakdown off the film of the offensive linemen, I never have five really good players. The highest I get is three and a half. Mm -hmm. And the other guys are, eh, okay, yeah. you know, we can get by. So I'm saying what, not many teams have five guys that are really, really good offensive linemen, right? So if, it's a guy like Robert Gallery, right? So he's he's not an all pro tackle that you thought he'd be, but he could be a really good guard. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, so, so uh, that's, uh, how do you feel yeah. about how do you feel about Becton? He's the big athlete, the huge guy, all upside potential. La 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 la. Well, how do you feel I, about him? You know, I mean, this it, is uh, yeah. not a place you want to learn. The NFL is not a place to learn. If it wasn't Cleveland and you know, regardless of what you feel about marijuana, if it wasn't Cleveland, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. But, you know, he got popped at the combine. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, which is that? It's Cleveland. And that's a concern to me because, you know, we just had a really good player and Kareem Hunt driving down 71 to the airport. Well, Josh Gordon, it, too. And here's the thing yeah, about, well, <laughs> you know, now now they're going to supposedly, for lack of a better term, decriminalize marijuana in the NFL. But yeah. here's what bothers me about an occasion like Mekhi Becton at the Combine. I mean, obviously, I don't smoke dope, never have smoked dope. So that bothers me, but that's my morality. And my morality, you know, I'm not going to foist it on other people. But the fact that you're at the Combine, this is like showing up for a job interview with uh, a ripped T-shirt. I mean, it just is. Like, this is, a, yeah. this is your job interview. Could you please get clean for the NFL Scouting Combine? They don't – it's, it's not a surprise party, the NFL Scouting Combine. It's on the calendar. You know when it yeah. is. You know you need to be clean, okay? So, A, it's stupid. 
stupid to test positive for anything at the scouting combine. And B, it tells me you're so addicted to doing that that you can't stop doing that to be clean by the combine. So it bothers me on two fronts. It's stupid, and it tells me how much of a hold that has over you. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I would be concerned about. But this is, like I said, there's, I mean, a couple mock drafts of people that I respect. I mean, six, maybe even seven, and one of them, offensive tackles going into the first round. But I think the Browns are in a really good position. They're going to get a good player at 10. You know, ideally, uh, I think offensive tackle is a priority. Now, there's was talk about there's four teams interested in trading for Trent Williams. Mm-hmm. And I think Trent's a really good player. Seven-time Pro Bowl, 31-year-old Washington Redskins, disgruntled offensive left tackle. Yeah, I don't, the disgruntled doesn't bother me uh, that much because there's, you know, a lot of times there are legitimate complaints that players have with teams or how they were treated. His, I think, is legit. Oh, yeah, with a health issue, right? Well, he had a growth on his head. Yeah, that's a health issue, The team doctors told him it's not a big deal. He went to, as many NFL players do, an independent doctor, got it tested. It was cancerous. So he had the growth removed. He goes back, and his helmet, you know, bothered the incision, he said. The team was like, come on, toughen up, buttercup. And so they had a falling out over those two fronts, and he didn't play last year. Yeah. So that's the dispute between Trent Williams. I typically Plus he had injuries. He's got injuries. He, he has not played. Sure. Here's my here's my concern with Trent Williams. He has not played a complete season since 2013. Yeah. Well, the yeah, that's a big concern, and so you got to be careful what kind of capital you give up uh, with. Uh, Trent Williams and and Washington thinks they're going to get a number two for Trent Williams. Mm-mm. Well, they're hanging out with Beckton then. They think they're getting a no, number yeah. two. No, you're because, not that because he's he wants to get paid. He's in the last year of his deal. He's mm-hmm. you're going to have to give him a three or a four year deal. We've talked about the injury issues. And he's 31. So, eh, you know, could he play four more years? Yeah. Could he play three? Yeah. Could he be a giant bust and a huge cap hit? Yeah. So, um, I I was listening to Cleveland Radio yesterday, and they're talking about, you know, the Browns, I guess, want to give a three, and the Redskins want a two, and I'm sitting there going, man, I see all kinds of great players traded at the draft for, like, what feels like nothing. I think a four is as high as I'd go on him. Yeah. Well, it, it just goes to show, too, the desperation of um, offensive linemen and the need for offensive linemen with teams. Uh, along, you couple that with teams are willing to to give up, but also the, you see teams who they're drafting and why there could be six or seven offensive tackles taken in the, in the first round. Yeah, It's, a, it's just a, a need position and one that is very, very difficult to play. Right when you have guys like uh, Daniel Hunter or or guys like Chase Young or the Bosa boys or whoever hmm. coming, Khalil Mack, and you say, okay, you got him. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you're, you know, that's hard tough duty, right? I well, mean, hard and, stuff. And if you have a guy who can handle that guy one on one, it just allows you to do so many more things. Yeah, and you have to do that, Bruce. Think of an offensive tackle. You have to do that. And you got to win 95 98% Oof. of the time. Oof. You know, you have yeah. to win. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> if you lose 5% of the time, that's probably, I mean, A, if you get sacked, you're punting. Most of the time you get sacked, you're punting. Uh, yeah. If you get sacked by a Chase Young, there's probably a 30% chance he's forcing a fumble because he's great at knocking a ball out. Turnovers. The percentages, I'm sure, you know, the Browns staff knows the percentages on analytics and everything, but yeah. you turn the ball over, that takes Quarterback away. pressures? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's huge. you got to have a tackle who can win. Here's, a, here's an interesting – there are two, I think, fascinating uh, decisions to be made by the Browns here on Trent Williams. One is, do you trade for him before the draft? 
you know, now you have to reconcile. Yeah, we're going to gamble. He's healthy and we're going to gamble. He's motivated and we can afford it. So we're going to do that. But if you, if you trade for him before the draft, you can establish a price. And if the Redskins agree to it, okay, great. We're comfortable giving a three. We're comfortable giving a two. We're comfortable giving a four, whatever. If you wait, or you could wait until the draft. So now you're banking on nobody else is going to trade him. And you're waiting to see how the draft unfolds. So let's say you love Werfs. Let's say you love Becton. But both of them are gone by 10. Or or let's say you love Werfs and you love Thomas, which is probably the safest bet. But both those guys are gone. The Giants take one and the Jags take one or whatever. They're both gone. So now you got, eh, we're not comfortable with Becton. We're more comfortable with Williams. But now you've waited, and the Redskins know, oh, Cleveland's calling. They didn't get who they wanted, so now they want Trent Williams. Now you're going to pay a higher price, right? Yeah. So would you trade for him before the draft if you're going to do it? Or would you wait and say, you know, maybe our guy's there at 10. If our guy's there at 10, we don't need him. I think I would wait on Cleveland because of the depth at, at that position. I would wait. I would absolutely wait, and I'm not going to overpay for Trent Williams. There's just too many question marks. There's too many question there marks. There are a lot of question marks. I just can't do it. There's no way. I just cannot do it. You know, a kid that could fall to him, I don't know if he will. It'll be hard to pass up, even though you need an offensive tackle. Uh, they they signed, what, Conklin, too, though. So, so they, Jack they Conklin one, at right tackle, yeah. 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 The uh, – uh, Isaiah Simmons to yeah. out of Clemson, right? I knew the you versatile. Were say that. And, and, and that's going to, I don't think he'll be there. He might. Um, that would be a hard guy to pass up. That would really be a difficult guy to pass up because of everything he can do. I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he covers two positions. He can play off the ball linebacker, he can be a big nickel uh, yeah. backer. You know, so that's, he just has so many gifts. And he's so versatile that I'm sitting there at 10, and I know there's depth at this offensive lineman or offensive tackle. Uh, man, it, it just would be hard to pass it. I think would will be a future great player up like that. Listen, if you're a coach and you cannot make use of a multifaceted talent like Isaiah Simmons – then you're not much of a coach. I mean, he's a four yeah. three nine forty guy. So you're talking about six three two forty, who runs a four three nine. So he can pressure off the edge. He can cover in the slot. You saw him make an interception in the Fiesta Bowl from the safety position. Uh, so you know the guy is just so versatile, uh, and so there's just so many tools there. I would take a chance on adapting his talents to an NFL defense before I would take a chance on a tackle I'm not sure of. The only problem is it's left tackle. So, you know, that's Baker That's Baker Mayfield's blind side, and you do have to have a left tackle. Now, you know, it's not like you can only draft a tackle in the first round. There are a lot of tackles here. Um, you know, there's a USC tackle, uh, I think it's Tryon Smith, uh, who, uh, do you know that kid's name? There is a USC tackle. That's the only SC player supposed to go in the yeah, first yeah, round. He's down, yeah. He's in the, in the 20s, you know, high 20s. So, I mean, maybe yeah. you trade back in the first round and get, uh, I mean, maybe you, you're from the second there's, round, you trade up into the, uh, uh, late first round to get him. There's a kid, yeah, there's a kid from Boise too, that, uh, starting to capture a lot of people's eyes at the offensive tackle. Ezra Cleveland, Ezra, yeah, he's yeah. all over the map. I've seen him, like, really high, like, in the hundreds, and then I've seen him, like, in the first, you know, top 25. Well, you remember remember this, too, Bruce, that uh, who's, there's nobody with bigger egos, and this is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, and this has been NFL coaches. Wait till I coach him. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, that's Which all over. Not, yeah, that's not a bad thing, right? But that's what they say. Yep. I can get him ready, you know. That's how Eric so, Kumaro goes in the first yeah. round ahead of somebody else on his team who had a Well, no, that's not That's bad. true. It, that is true. Just, you won't say it, I'll say it. It is true, but it's two different positions. Like Eric was a pass rusher, right. I wasn't. Yeah, you know, so we'll uh, see how it goes. So, I'm uh I'm excited for it. Um I'm excited for Chase Young, I'm excited for Jeff Akuda. I think when we look at it, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be a second rounder. Mm-hmm. I think 
I don't think there's going to be any running backs chosen in the first round. I was going to ask you that. You think, yeah, it's, I've seen DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins go at the end of the first round to Kansas City. I wondered if you thought any of them would go in the first round. I don't. I don't think so. I think there's too many guys in that position is, you know, a five-year shelf life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know yep. uh, I mean, you you could make it an eight-year, eight- or nine-year shelf life, but you can't be playing all the time because they got to protect you and, and save you, you know? So, you know, uh, my, you know, my view on running backs, I mean, you, yeah, they're disposable you, rookie contract for you. If it's if not a first rounder, then yeah. I'd never take one in the top 10. Never, never, never. never the Rams yeah. regretted Gurley's contract. The minute they signed it, the Cowboys are going to live with that Zeke contract. It's not, not that Zeke's not a good player. Zeke's a very good player. You just, the relative production you can get from a Raheem Mostert, uh, Matt Breida, you know, I mean, the yeah. Niners had basically, Tevin Coleman had basically nothing invested at the running back position. And could the Niners run the ball? Yes. So I'd invest in offensive line way before I'd invest in running back, and I'd never, ever, never, ever give a running back a second contract, ever. I get that. I'm with you. The other thing is, uh, let's talk. Can we talk a little bit about the other black guys? Yes. Some of the. Yes. I I look at Jordan Fuller. Right. What what hurts Jordan is, um, four, he's not six, a great seven. man. Four yeah, six seven forty. He's, he's not a great man, guys. So Jordan's gonna. You're gonna look at Jordan. Uh, probably late rounds. KJ Hill. Mm-hmm. Middle to late rounds because of his of his time, but that doesn't mean KJ won't have a productive career mm-hmm. benjamin uh benjamin victor mm-hmm. excuse me mm-hmm. uh middle round guy the guy with the biggest upside is is, is uh austin mack okay he's got the biggest upside in my opinion because He'll probably be i just think he's uh smooth i think he's a little stronger than those guys and he does have the ability to play inside and outside and i just think as far as receiving receiver wise I think he has the biggest upside, and I would be surprised uh, out of those three if he's not the first Buckeye wide receiver to go. Okay. I think Devon Hamilton, Mm -hmm. um, he's a middle-round guy, but I think he's going to fit into a rotation. I think he's a really good player, and he's going to be a nice pickup for somebody else. Uh, We already talked about J.K. Oh, Arnett. Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett will go in the – second round i think he uh because of the position i think he's got a big growth uh curve that he has to reach uh potentially he certainly can get there uh he has the ability to play inside and last year obviously he showed that he can play outside Mm -hmm. from that corner position i think with damon the one thing and and a lot of guys get like this and you know damon is an emotional corner right would you say that yeah and uh I, those guys make me a little nervous mm-hmm. because they make emotional decisions. And as a corner, you can't be emotional all the time. You know, you can be a little cocky. I don't mind. I want cocky. I really do. I just don't want emotional out there because you have to clear your mind. And, you know, you have to have a guy catch 25 balls on you. Or uh, that's a little hyperbole, but say he catches 10 balls the whole game, right? And you're winning, your team's winning the game, but they go and attack you again on the last play of the game. They throw it in the end zone, and you make an interception. That's the kind of corner that I want to have. Yeah. And you know what? That's a true story. I was getting ready to do a Lions game, and are you aware of who Darius Slay is? Yeah, yeah. He's top He's corner in the top league. Top corner, right? yeah. Was having a rough day. I, I think it was against the Chargers. In fact, I know it was against the Chargers because I remember seeing this in my head. Philip Rivers and uh, give me the kid, the, the receiver's name from Cal, number thirteen. Uh, oh, he has a beard. Ka- Ka- Keenan, Keenan Allen. Yeah, Keenan Allen. Thank yeah. you, Bruce. Killing Darius Slay, killing them all game. Darius can't cover. It's it's the last play of the game. The Chargers are on like the or toward the last play of the game. The Chargers are going in for a winning drive, winning touchdown. And they're going after Darius Slay with Keenan Allen. Slay makes a great play, interception, wins the game for the Lions. Even though he had an awful day. Didn't matter. He made a play when the play needed to be made. Yeah. That's what I want in a corner because yeah. 
the receivers, the rules of the game, I think you would agree with me. The rules of the game are set up to benefit the receivers, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's why that position is so brutal to play. And you have to be so mentally tough to play it. But that's, and I don't know, I, I don't know Damon well enough to say that he has that or doesn't have that. That's what I want, though. But I think because of the position, because a bunch of corners are going to fly off the board, in my opinion, uh, Damon will go in the second round. I think J.K. will go in the second round. And I think uh, the guy with the biggest upside that nobody's talking about is Jonah Jackson. I think Jonah will be uh, yeah. maybe late second round, third round guy. Yeah, and they're going to have guys taken on uh, all three days of this draft, for sure. They're going to have Young and Okuda first day, maybe J.K., but I agree with you, J.K. is a second-day yeah. guy. Second and third round is uh, Friday. Uh, I think it's um, – mm, if I had to pick a third guy who'd go on the second day, I think Arnett and Dobbins will both go on the second day. <sighs> Devon uh, Hamilton, Jonah, Jonah Jackson, one of those yeah, two. She, yeah, that that would be the safest bet. Yes, uh, but there'll be opinion. guys on the third day. You know, I uh, you know I'm intrigued by KJ Hill. I'm very intrigued by KJ Hill. Uh, here's where I'd love to see KJ Hill go to Tampa because Brady knows how to use a slot receiver. Yeah, Tampa has Mike Evans, and they've got who's the other receiver they have that's really Godwin. Good? Yeah, Chris Godwin. Godwin. Yeah, from Penn State, and they got Gronk now. Uh, yeah. But they don't have that slot guy now. Now KJ's not—he's uh, not a little—he's not a little jitterbug slot guy. But KJ's a smart slot guy. You know, Brady's used Welker. He's used Edelman. Two guys that aren't going to burn—you know—burn a fast time in a forty. But I—I'd I'd love to see KJ in Tampa. That'd be yeah with Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Gronk. Ooh, man, I'd like to see that. Well, I, yeah, that, that's an atmosphere that any wide receiver could thrive yeah. in yeah. if he knows what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> right and. Uh, another intriguing article I read was K.J. Hill to the Redskins. Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be smart for the Redskins. I mean, they obviously, McLaurin and Haskins, um, Yeah, you know, had great uh, chemistry last year. And they need receivers down there. I mean, they were depleted. And Terry, I mean, Terry was amazing last Big year. Big steal. Third-round steal. I don't think people realize how good he was. I didn't. I, think I didn't realize how good he translated the NFL. I didn't either. Uh, but I knew one thing, um, and I told this story before, that I was at the pro day for Terry McLaurin. I was walking around with Rick, and Terry ran uh, 4-3 something. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, some something crazy. And they went out to do some special teams drill. Then all the different players were in different parts of the field. And I got to tell you, Bruce, it, it looked like, uh, since we're a faith-based show, it looked like Jesus walking to on a uh, mission trip <laughs> through Jerusalem because there was just scouts following him out to the field, mm-hmm. you know, and just just how you know just because the the intrigue that Terry McLaurin caught everybody's attention, but his work ethic and the thing I was most pleased with, obviously his production, right? I just think it was it was just tremendous. But I was most pleased with his practice effort and his practice habits when I did a, did a couple of Redskins games because the Eagles and Giants were uh, – or the Eagles in the NFC East was coming down to the Eagles and, and the Cowboys, and all those games had meaning toward the end. So I was down there two, or, two out of three weeks or something, and each time I went to that practice, I was more impressed with uh, Terry McLaurin and his competitiveness, even in practice, I just was a joy to see. And it's a lesson for a lot of young wide receivers uh, to watch the work ethic of some of these guys. And that's a credit to uh, all the receiver coaches that, that Terry had at Ohio State and a credit to the ultimate receiver coach, which people know that would be Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. came up as a receiver coach. Uh, get... Your nominations in Spielman Hooley podcast, gmail.com. Tomorrow we draw four names, $250 each COVID-19 relief. Um, Hemisphere coffee roasters will contribute. If you forfeit your 15% discount, well, even if you don't, but they'll give 20% to COVID-19 relief. If you forfeit your discount, they'll give an additional 5%. If you take your 15% discount, start your day with the best coffee there is. And that's a company that does great things throughout the world in Ethiopia, in Thailand, in Nicaragua, 
many different blends. Uh, they'll source it. They roast it. They sell it wholesale, retail. Uh, ship it right to you. Many of my friends have taken advantage. One of my friends sent me a text last night. Said he got a handwritten thank you note from Andy at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. And so I checked on that, and Andy said they're so grateful for people who order during this time when their retail store is, uh, you know, impacted by everybody staying home. And so they feel it's important to let everyone who orders online at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com know how much they appreciate them as a small business being able to stay in business. So I thought that was a nice touch uh, that they send a handwritten note. So order from Hemisphere. Uh, you will not regret it. The coffee is phenomenal. Mr. Spielman can vouch. So uh, we appreciate their sponsorship, and we appreciate aligning uh, their values and our values together. We're a great partnership, and we love Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Uh, by the way, they said Spielman and Hooley listeners have helped them bridge the gap between what they've been, uh, you know, uh, what their fall off in retail sales because people aren't going out. They say their online sales have helped balance those losses, and they credit Spielman and Hooley podcast listeners wow. for that. So thank you, everyone from uh, the Spielman and Hooley podcast who's ordered from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, Brett McMurphy with a story hey, for... I got one thing. Yeah. I got one thing to say about Hemisphere. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you could say thank you, too, for all the coffee they're sending you. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm sorry. You leave. That's okay. Humility. Yeah, humility, right, right, Bruce? Yeah, humility. It's um, a good thing. Humbleness, yeah. One day we'll get it. <laughs> Uh, Brett, I was encouraged. I'm excited that you're going to talk about this because I sent this to you. Yes, you did. I'm so, I'm so encouraged by it. Yes, Brett McMurphy of uh, Watch Stadium surveying all the athletic directors. Uh, I'm curious why you're encouraged. I would think you'd be discouraged. He found that 61% of athletic directors think the college football season will start in October or November. 41%, so not a majority, believe there'll be a 12-game season. 20% predict an eight- or nine-game season. Uh, 14% think it'll start after Christmas. Uh, I doubt that. That's off the table. Yeah, I don't think spring football is going to work. Although no. I saw a thing yesterday where the uh, OHSAA, that's one of the things they're looking at, is maybe having football in the spring, reversing their sports calendar and having sports with not a lot of contact, like tennis, golf, uh, maybe soccer in the fall and saving, you know, the contact sports for spring. Why uh, are you encouraged by the McMurphy story? Why? Well, I'm encouraged by this because one, there's going to be football. That's the number one thing. I, I think that for me, I'm not even the, the NFL is happening no matter what. Yes, it is. What they, the NFL, well, the NFL, I believe. You tell me if I'm wrong on this. The NFL is more sustained by tv revenue than college college is definitely sustained by revenue but there's this whole like fan experience people going back to alma maters kids on yeah. campus and the revenue is about half tv and half other things from people actually being at games in the nfl i think it's obviously the tickets and the gear and all that and the parking concessions is big but the tv revenue in the nfl can keep the whole enterprise yeah. going for a year if there are no fans yeah, there's there, there's no plague that's going to stop the NFL. The NFL laughs at it. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I've just we always kid around, but a plague is not going. to – I mean, I guess I'm not kidding. A plague no. is not going to stop the it's NFL. Not. It's not. <laughs> going. By the way, we're having the draft tomorrow night <laughs> on schedule. Not even a month later. And, and the coolest thing is that each GM is turning into a fantasy GM where they're sitting behind their computer yeah, exactly. drafting guys in their basement. I mean, so Roger Goodell is announcing the picks from his basement. If you don't think the NFL's determined to do their thing, no matter what, there's your proof. <laughs> no Roger's plague. like, ah, we'll do it from my basement. It's fine. No plague will stop the NFL. Uh, for college, I'm just encouraged because there, there's got to be football. I read an article. Um, I saw a report that athletic directors know there has to be football because the fallout, if there's not football, the financial fallout would be just be brutal. Can I read the quote? Uh, Here's the oh, quote, Here's okay. the quote okay. from a Power 5 AD. He didn't identify who it is, but this means he's SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, and what's the other one? Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10, SEC, ACC. 
Sorry, Clemson. Forgot you for a second. <laughs> yeah, uh, here's the quote. Is, Clemson is the ACC. Yeah, Clemson is the <laughs> – that's right. Four conferences and Clemson. Uh, here's the Power 5 AD quote. There's too much money at stake. It impacts too many people. If yep. there's no football, we will have bigger issues. This will be worse than the Great Depression and make the 1930s look like a cakewalk. He's speaking about college athletics there, not about the yeah. whole country, but he's talking about the future right. of college athletics. I agree with him. With no you? football. Um, yeah, I mean, he's an expert, not me. Here's my question. I said this to a friend yesterday who asked me, he goes, how do you think this is, whole thing's going to end? Where are we in a year? When is going to happen? And I said, well, we're going to have things that come from our experiences during COVID-19 that will soon seem very normal that right now don't seem normal at all. And I said, for case in point, 9-11, we don't think anything about the fact that we can't go to the gate and greet people coming off an airplane anymore. That used to be no problem. Okay, so now we've adapted. There are going to be adaptations in our society and I think inevitably in college athletics to this. What? Who are the people who... Uh, succeed in life they're the people who adapt and sometimes zig when the popular logic would say zag okay so somewhere i hope there are there's more than one ad who's sitting here going okay instead of sitting here cowering in the corner talking about how it's going to be a great depression how can we adapt to uh what covid19 is bringing college athletics. If we don't have a season, if we have a shortened season, if the money dries up, or maybe even if we have a season, is there a way we could do better what we're doing now? I think it's a fair time for smart people in college athletics to look at their model and say, whew, we might dodge a bullet here on COVID-19. We might be able to have a season, but maybe we need to do business differently so that if there's another pandemic or another this or another that or an economic crash after COVID-19, we're prepared to operate. And I think it's a fair time for questions to be asked about, do we need like varsity sports in every single thing people play sports at? Could we have like, five, six, seven, eight varsity sports and have 30 well-financed club sports, but not as well-financed as they are right now? Like, do we need a tennis team that goes and plays in, you know, at USC? Could we have sports where we're in the Big Ten in football and in basketball and in women's basketball and in women's soccer, but in uh, swimming? We swim against Toledo, Miami, Akron, Cincinnati. You know, I I think that's a fair conversation to have right now. Boy, I mean, I think it's a conversation to have. I I just I I'm going to ask uh, I'm going to ask a question, and when I ask it, people are going to say, "Well, you're anti this." No, I'm not. I'm just like we talked yesterday. I just want information. Okay. Why does why does Ohio State why is Ohio State building a twenty million dollar tennis facility? I mean, honestly, we asked this question years ago. Why is Ohio State building a five million dollar boathouse? Because they can. Yes. Okay. So is that a good enough reason? I get the experience, all that stuff. But here's the thing: I believe sports gives you. So many great things, uh, but they're intangible things. They're things you'll still get if you have a club sport. If rowing is a club sport, if women's ice hockey is a club sport, why do they have sports where they lose a million dollars every year on that sport? Like, who runs a business that way? Well, we got football. We got football, so it can pay for it. That's dumb. That's dumb. Nobody would run a business that way. Title IX, Bruce. You have to have it. So, so, gonna, so you can have the offering without it being like, why can't women's ice hockey play like throughout Ohio? Rather, why you guys send them to Minnesota? That's that just makes no sense to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, maybe they do look at that. Maybe they do look at uh, you know because of the financial hit of COVID nineteen. How can we streamline our 
non-revenue sports. Um, you still have conference at play, though, that you have to be concerned with. I don't think you just blow that up. You know, I think you work within a system that you have. And if there's a better way of being more practical on how you do those types of things or those types of games, uh, that certainly can be um, looked at. But I just don't think you blow the whole thing up. I'm not saying blow the whole thing up. I'm saying... I I, I don't think you go to club sports. Look at the sustainability of your model. That's what I'm saying. Right now is a great time. Right now, there's a wake-up call. Hey, yo, the golden goose won't live forever. You know, X million dollar coaches for every... Like, you know my thing with Kevin McGuff making the over a million dollars as a women's basketball coach. I mean, that's just not sustainable. It's not. And, and Apparently, it's not sustainable during the plague. Pre-plague, it's sustainable. Well, but not at every school. How many times do you ask me, hey, Bruce, how many college athletics department turn a, turn a profit? We don't live in the real world here in Columbus, Ohio. Right. I mean, the, the Columbus, Ohio, the, you know, at Ole Miss, they're not able to fund this kind of stuff. And I'm not anti. I'm just saying maybe we all, like, we're sailing along in our lives, right? Doing our thing, whatever, our retirement, this, our that. We The things we thought mattered, now in the last six weeks, oh, maybe they don't matter as much. Maybe oh, maybe our foundation's been shaken. I'm saying if these guys are on top of it in college athletics, the questions they should try to be answering are not, how do we survive in 2020? The questions they should be trying, the answers they should be trying to come up with are, what answer gets us through 2020, but also allows us to survive in 2030? So the, 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 the thing that we've said from the start of this was that there's going to be innovation created and new ideas yes. will be born. Yes. And I'm sure that there's a lot of smart people out there that are looking at that. And so, uh, so we, we think of college athletics as a business, right? Yes. Well, don't you think there are businesses that have learned a lot uh, during this six week period? Yes. You think that businesses say, okay, why do I need to give pay rent? Uh, you know, $50,000 a month rent on an office building when I can get a smaller place, pay $10,000 rent on an office building and have everybody uh, work from home. Yeah. Why do I need to send my executive director of sales on a 6 a.m. flight to Chicago and pay a $100 Uber downtown and dinner and or lunch and dinner and a flight home and all that when he can accomplish the same thing on a Zoom meeting. You're going to see innovations like that in the business world. That, that's my whole point. So I do think there's going to be some type of intervention uh, because of what will be created and, and what ingenuity and, and what uh, people find that it's more effective budget-wise and it can and be still be just as effective as far as execution of whatever your business model is. And you're going to be able to save resources. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, we, we look at that, uh, self, I mean, this is a little bit prehistoric, but I remember when I was a kid now, not a lot, but I do remember that when, every time we went to a gas station, a guy would come out and put the gas in the car yep. and, and like wipe the windows down or, or yep. check the oil. Right. Yep. My kids would have no idea if no. somebody, what's that guy doing? Hi, can I help you? They run out. Hi, can I help you? Yeah. They got their little I mean, uniform on and everything. Do you remember those days? Yeah. And you know why they stopped doing that? Because they couldn't pay, couldn't afford their margins on the gas became right. so low and on quick lube and Jiffy lube and all you used to go to your neighborhood service station to get your oil changed. Well, now Jiffy lube can do it for cheaper and faster. You don't have to yeah. leave your car. You sit there in the waiting room, and 10 minutes later, you get your oil change. Okay, so Joe's you know, gas station at the corner, he couldn't afford to pay Fred to run out there and pump your gas and wipe your windshield. So what did he adapt yeah. to self-serve? Yes, they can adapt. I think they will. There, there'll be some changes. I, I, just, I don't know what they're going to be, but I think budget-wise, there's going to be some changes and i know you don't begrudge kevin mcguff for making a million i don't if kevin that's the market kevin mcguff should get every dime of it i'm just saying sustainability and i'm watching this monstrous and i love ty tucker there i could make an argument 
that nobody's done a better job coaching any sport at Ohio State in the last 25 years than Ty Tucker. Their tennis mm-hmm. program used to be a laughing stock. It is now one of the top two or three tennis programs in the country. They're right. naming the tennis center after Ty Tucker, who is still coaching tennis. I, I used to interview Ty back when I was doing non-revenue sports reports for the Plain Dealer, and Ty's a great guy and a great coach to play for. And I'm not making a comment about the viability of tennis or anything like that. Sure. I'm just saying, is there a may, more efficient? Way is there going? a more efficient way to do it? Or sometimes, look, I would love to take my wife when things open back up to Ruth's Chris every night. I would love to. I can't afford it. It's not sustainable. I could put it on a credit card for quite some time. It just, eventually there'll be a day of reckoning. This is a warning shot across the bow. Hey, guys, the Golden Goose may have a limited life expectancy. Are you ready to deal with it? And I'm not sure they are. They've kicked the can down the road and and Congress does this. and, And we all are prone to do this. But now's the time for innovative athletic directors to say, Hold on, let's not just try to survive now. Let's try to establish something that, you know, the next time we get hit with something unexpected, we can survive it. So if you go, say you go, uh, you keep, what, men's football or uh, football, basketball? First of all, they got to have a common sense. They got to exempt football from the Title IX. Okay. There's just nothing on in any other sport like football. There just isn't. Okay. 85 people I, on scholarship. I agree with you. Uh, they're not going to do that. but because So you have to have... You, that, that's got to... That's not going to change. Okay, I really probably don't right. think probably that. Right okay, that. so I mean, so we got to deal with reality. I, I wish they would do that. It's not going to do that. And so everything else will be a club sport. So what about all those athletes, like say uh, lacrosse or wrestling or whatever? Though... And the amount now those those sports get limited scholarships. They all don't get full scholarships. What yeah. coaches do, for those of our listeners that don't know, they split up those scholarships. You know, sometimes three or four ways, right? Yeah. And so, what, are you still going to give the club sports scholarships? No. Here's be. here's. Let me ask a radical question. Why do the college and I'll, this is this is defending the colleges? Why do the colleges have to be the farm systems for the Olympic sports and the pros? You guys in the NFL, you guys in the NBA, you want a farm system? Why don't we have like, you know, like they do the European model where their their leagues, they have, you know, developmental leagues yeah. that are not affected with college. Like a swimming program, you want to be an elite swimmer, an elite, elite, elite swimmer? Then you go compete for USA Swimming. You know, an elite, elite, elite that. track person, Santa Monica Track Club pays you, and you don't compete for Ohio State. But – you know, we like have that in high school. Though, we which. have it. In, we have it in gymnastics. You know, right. you don't see you don't see the next Sean Johnson competing in gymnastics at the Big Ten level. She's competing in USA gymnastics for Bella Caroli from the time she's 13 years old on up. So I'm saying in wrestling, in these other sports where you had the elite of the elite, why are the colleges? Why is the burden on the colleges to develop these people? Um, so you don't need to scholarship them because well, I don't think yeah. Doesn't it depend on the sport? I mean, because like high school sports, there's certain sports that kids play for their high school team just out of a sense of loyalty. Uh, I think an argument be, could be made that it's more important how you play in the AAU basketball than it is how you play for your high school team. Uh, you Much live more. in the soccer. You live in a, You lived in the AAU world for a little bit, but now you're mm-hmm. living in a the travel soccer world or the yep. travel hockey world or yep. for parents or kids to play hockey. When I lived in Detroit, how about how big youth hockey was? Those are the developmental sports. So I think, you know, we could maybe be going to that model with a few exceptions of football and basketball at the collegiate level. Um, I don't know. I think maybe a European model is the way to go. I don't know. I think people are going to, besides the football, maybe football is the only sport. Maybe. That you have, that's at a varsity level or revenue generating level. Football, yeah, maybe or and basketball. Basketball is a big for a lot of schools, right? Because right. of the NCAA big tournament. Money maker. Yeah, yeah. So you have to keep that. And, and I keep to, women's basketball, and I keep you know women. Well, you have to 
whatever. Yeah, you got you got to do a Title Nine thing, so you got to have so there's what, what what is it? Twelve scholarships for men's basketball or fourteen? Thirteen for men, fifteen for women. Okay, so I take a look at um. Might and be I'm all I'm all for that because. You know, Macy's on full ride to Bowling Green, so I'm all for that. Yeah, we'll keep Macy on scholarship. Yeah, yeah, but you have to have that. So you have to going to have to have 100 scholarships. Just say 100 scholarships for men and women, right? 85 of those go to football. 15 go to basketball. Then you got to figure out uh, 15 women's sports where you can have athletic scholarships. The guys, or maybe everything goes club at the club level where they're financed by. A private industry or they're financed by professional leagues or however it may be. I don't know the European model, but I'm sure, I mean, I watched uh, these soccer movies, the story of Pele and, mm-hmm. and, you know, how they, or the, the back in the old communist days when, or the China, women's China volleyball team where they grab them out and they go to training academies. I don't know. Maybe that's the wave of the future. And it takes some of the burden off of these universities we're trying to support that. I, I, I don't know, but I think something's going to change. I really do. And I don't I don't know if I'd be opposed to it or not. I have no idea. But I think there's going to be innovation and ingenuity and something is going to change. And I think it, I think it could be a change for the better because I do think that um, other other outside entities can help fund. Uh, some of this stuff, and you really got my brain thinking. Why uh, the, the the professional leagues? They look at it and say, "We have a free minor league system, oh and we don't goodness. have to put a dime into not it. a dime." Yeah, not a dime. That's crazy. By the way, I think you came up with the first new thing at the forty nine minute mark of today's podcast. When you go back and listen, I think you birthed a new word. What's it? You called it innovation which I think is the... Uh, ingenuity and innovation? In, in, innovation, invention, <laughs> and ingenuity. You said innovation. So I congrats needed, on I that. Needed, I needed an intervention for creating the word innovation. <laughs> Listen Thank for you. it, people. Innovation. Yeah, Chris yeah. Spielman. He's I the first. He's the pioneer. He's on the forefront of coming up with a new word. I love it. I love it, my man. I love what I love the uh, well. I, I can't wait for a next grammatical error from you. That's all I can say. And boy, will you get hammered because you're the wordsmith. Oh boy, I gotta go. I gotta go now. Scan your Twitter and look for a misspelling yeah, or please, anything. I can't do. wait. Please do. <laughs> oh, it has come to that portion of the podcast where we transition into the faith element. Um, Mr. Spielman, what would you have for us on the faith element today? Um. You know, the uh, one thing that I, I really like, every, everybody's very aware of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, mm-hmm. right? Or I know and the plans you, I you, have for you, yeah. Yeah, can you can you go to, biblically, I, I'm not at my computer, can you go yeah. to uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 mm-hmm. for me real quick? I think and I know stop, it, but let me... Uh, yeah, but but stop at 12 when you... Yeah. Then I because I want to add something to that. Okay. You want 29, 11, and 12? Yeah. Could you read that for the people, please? Working on it. All right. Well, okay. Here, here we go. go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Jeremiah, sorry. Uh, for the, I know the plans I have for you. I can start till my computer comes up. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You want me to continue to 12 or not? Yeah, yes, I do. Stop after 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Yeah, and this is, and then I'm going to 13, and this is something that I think we all need to do. And God tells us this, you will seek me and find me Mm -hmm. when you seek me with all your heart. Mm -hmm. So we have to, you know, it's an investment, right? God's given us all these promises, but there's also got to be an, an investment in your part. We just can't sit around. Okay, I'm waiting for my gift now. I'm ready for my gift. I'm ready for my blessing. Let's go. You know, it's a two-way street. Uh, in my opinion, this is yes. how I, I decipher. Because of what you just read, then you add 13 to that. You will seek me with all your heart. And find me. You will and seek find me and me. find yeah. me when you seek me with all your heart. Yeah, I mean, so that was really 
like hit me this morning. Like, I I think sometimes we get uh, comfortable. I I know you have. Uh, yes. You've talked about it. I yes. know I I've I've gotten comfortable. All right, what are you doing here? I'm waiting. Well, I've, it's been about two weeks since my last good piece of news or blessing here. Let's go, yeah. God. Uh, whose time are you on here? I got things to do. Uh, and what that told me is the promise of you know keep seeking, keep searching, and put all your heart into it, not half your heart. And that just kind of was pretty strong for me today. Yeah, and I, I have used this example before, but I just lived through it uh, <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> Seeking is not looking. Seeking is much more urgent than looking. So God says here, uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What does that mean to seek with all your heart? The best example I can give you folks is the desperation I feel, and I felt it two days ago, when I couldn't find my wallet. I'm not in my normal routine where I'm going out every day, so I always know where my wallet is. I just, you know, some days I, it's rare I even need my wallet now. Well, I went to Cleveland with my wife last Saturday, and I knew I had it when I paid for dinner at a, you know, carryout. Didn't know where big it was. Big bucks, huh? Yeah, big, big, burger, big, big Burger King bucks. <laughs> two chicken sandwiches and two fries for five bucks. That's how I roll. So... I knew I had it there. I knew it was somewhere at home, but I was going back to Cleveland and I needed it. Well, it wasn't in my office. It wasn't in my bedroom. It wasn't in this back laundry room. It wasn't in a pocket. It wasn't anywhere. And it was like, where is it? And I turned the house upside down and I got my daughters looking and I got my wife looking and they were asking me questions. Where's the last time you had it? And blah, 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 blah. We were seeking it. We weren't looking for it. We weren't, yeah. hope, we weren't hoping to find it. We were That's seeking it. That's a great analogy. It. And yeah. finally, my wife said, okay, what all did you... I said, I was unloading the truck, and I'm sure I laid it in the garage somewhere, and I'm looking in the garage, and she finally said, you know, we had a cooler with drinks in it. Did you bring the cooler in? Would you have put it in the cooler? And it was a soft-sided cooler. It was on top of the refrigerator in our garage, and I looked, and sure enough, there it was. But I enlisted everyone's help. I invested every part of... Every every piece of weaponry I had to find that sucker, yeah. I knew it was here, but I had to I had to seek it, and yeah. that's the investment God's talking about. If you're just like hanging out, waiting for God to like rain the blessings down on you, or rain the answer down on you, or rain the clarity, or rain the inspiration, or the encouragement down on you, well, ask yourself: Are you hoping? Are you looking? Are you casually scanning? Or are you seeking? Are you praying? Are you reading the Bible? Are you quiet? Are you contemplative? Are you journaling? Are you asking other godly people who could maybe give you insight? How hard are you seeking it? It's a question well, to ask. I yeah. asked to ask myself that. I often, when I lose my billfold, <laughs> I just wanted to use the term billfold because billfold. my grandfather, yeah. my, you never heard of that term? Oh, yeah, billfold, big time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I mean, by the way, all right. By the way, just I want the people at Hemisphere to know that uh, my lovely wife is wearing a Hemisphere Coffee Roasters shirt that mm. apparently I thought was mine. Oh, I see. I'd Instagram <laughs> that if I were you and complain about it. And then maybe you'll get another T-shirt and more coffee. I just, <laughs> I just, there's nothing that's mine anymore. It's nothing. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, uh, when's the big move? Uh, when, uh, hopefully May, end of May, first of June. So yeah, that's that's kind of been uh, her Carrie's mission. It, do you ever? Can I ask you a question? Sure. Does Sherry ever ask your opinion on something? <laughs> <laughs> you give your opinion, and then she says, "No, that doesn't work." <laughs> then why um, do you ask? <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah, I'm sure she does. I just can't think of any. Okay, so like if if you're asked your opinion, do you like this carpet? Yes. Okay, well we're not getting that. Yeah, I know that's no, that's very yeah. normal over here. Like anything, <laughs> okay, okay. when we agree on something, we're like, wow, we agreed on something. You know, we'll laugh at yeah. how are we married? Like we don't agree on anything. Like I like that car. Oh, that car's hideous. You know, I like this. I like that. No, I don't like that. But eh. so uh, here's another example. So. We're doing something with a fireplace at the new place. And she says, okay, 
um, we can either do this or this. Which one do you like? I said, the least expensive. That's not an answer. <laughs> and we're not going to go with the least expensive. So then why do you, then my thing was, why you do, why you are, why do we go through this charade every time that I actually, my opinion matters. I, you feel better. Yeah. You feel better giving it, don't you? Well, she, she just says that she wants me to feel involved not actually be involved smart lady smart lady oh well uh we will be back tomorrow and you will be uh with me tomorrow so that means our our youtube channel will resume yes and you have a big announcement about covid19 relief tomorrow's the day we give away four checks for 250 dollars, and we can't give it away to someone you know or to you if you don't nominate yourself so go to spielmanhooleypodcast at gmail.com and get your nominations in, as we look forward to doing that every Friday. And, uh, Mr. Spielman, you say we are getting uh, close to your goal of $40,000. Yeah, we are. And uh, any chance you're going to have a Diet Coke there tomorrow? Or uh, yes, I will make sure that the Diet Coke is uh, ready, available, and chilled. And if you find the <laughs> missing piece of the Keurig you brought over, which is like the world's largest paperweight on my uh, <laughs> my bookcase without that part... Uh, we'll brew you up a fresh cup of uh, hemisphere uh, coffee. We haven't we haven't uh, found that. I'll bring my own hemisphere coffee. Uh, but I have I, a, I have a couple K cups of the Nicaraguan blend, but I don't have the magic part to the Keurig. To uh, yeah, well, the Keurig I think it needs to be retired to the back forty of the hinterlands of Hooli okay. Manor. All right, we can donate that to the uh, to the <laughs> thrift store. <laughs> Missing piece. Yeah, I don't know. You could probably order that online. Uh, yeah, I, uh, that's above my pay grade. Above your pay grade. All right. Just like the Bill of Rights is for the New Jersey. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> right. Well, we will be back tomorrow. We appreciate you. And as uh, Chris mentioned, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Go to HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Order and uh, join us tomorrow for a post-first-round NFL draft edition of the Spielman Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. 